Good morning. Good morning. First, let me apologize. I'm very tardy today. No, no problem. So almost 20 minutes. <clears throat> yeah, almost. That's all right. Um, so your daughter turned your computer off, huh? Well, first I asked for a 10-minute extension because sometimes I shouldn't, but sometimes, you know, I miscalculate how long it takes me to read a comic book from the 1980s as yes. opposed to a comic book that came out last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I'm like, okay, well, not too bad. 10.35, I went over and actually refilled my coffee coffee mug, came back, sat down, started pressing buttons and nothing's turning on i'm like hmm so the same little girl that leaves clothes all over the floor no matter like wherever she happens to change that's where the clothes and end up whoever you know every light in the house stays on after she leaves those rooms the one thing that she unfailingly remembers to do even when i specifically ask her not to on the weekends is turn off the computer when she's done using it <laughs> like Allie, don't turn, don't ever turn off the computer. You can just leave it on. Okay, okay. And then she remembered yesterday, and then I can't <laughs> sat on the day and it was off. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> my computer is old. I'm like, that is like a that's a good five minute boot up. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe you should spend some of your comic budget on a new uh, computer. You know what? I, I I might just do that. I don't know if you saw my <clears throat> tweet earlier to Mike, but um, I did my DCBS order for um, the November previews, and uh, it's the lowest dollar total since, like, July of 2020. Oh, wow. Why, mm -hmm. why is that? I am cutting back. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's, it's a variety of things. I am cutting back. Um, I'm being more picky with collections as well. Um, also, uh, I don't know, uh, Marvel did something weird where, um, last month where they basically, even though it wasn't even in their, in their preview solicitation for October, I guess a bunch of <clears throat> anything that was coming out like the first week in the following month, they pre-solicited for whatever reason, and it was available to order. So I had to order those last month, which meant there was probably about eight or nine comics that I didn't have to order for November. Mm. So, uh, uh, but I still got like um, a couple smaller collections. Like, you, are you familiar with those PC art books? PS art books, rather? I don't think so. It's uh, the company's for PS art, um, art book, and um, they basically do Xeroxes of old, like golden age material. Mm. Um, I'll look through those sometimes. I'll, and, and actually, they did some more recent ones with uh, Charlton, some of those ghostly tales and stuff. Well, anyhow, in this new previews, they have the they're starting off the um, Plastic Man from the 40s, and they actually uh, did uh, military comics, which is like the first um, Black Blackhawk stuff. So I ordered both of those, but they're not too pricey with a discount. It's like twenty five dollars each. Mm -hmm. So I did order those. So without that, I would have been even lower. I probably would have been one of the one of the lowest price totals ever um, if it hadn't been for those a uh, couple collections. But I don't know. I'm just I, I am just trying to cut back a little and really like monitor what 
I'm enjoying, what I'm not enjoying, what am I just buying out of habit, um, that yeah. kind of stuff, you know. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, I was I was very heavily into the DC stuff, you know, after um, Rebirth, but you know, more and more it's it's a good quarter to a third of their catalog is uh, Batman related material. Mm-hmm. So apart from you know the ongoings that I'll I keep reading, you know they'll release several minis every single month. I just don't bother buying, you know, unless something looks particularly interesting. I, I don't bother buying the the huge number of um, Batman related um, mini series that they release every single month. I figure at some point if I'm interested in reading them, I'll just read them um, on an app or something like that, you know. Yeah, if you find out after the fact that it, it, tur- it turned out good or something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, not that they're worthless um, in terms of like you, you wouldn't get any enjoyment out of them, but you typically don't need to read these to continue to follow the, the ongoing plot. They're usually just side, you know, somebody's take on a on a Batman story that has nothing to do with anything else that's going on and on his ongoing. So it's like, I don't have to worry about missing stuff that I don't understand. So I just, I don't bother buying them physically anymore. And if I want to read them, I'll read them down the road sometime. I just got to start saving more money. Um, I, I can't keep spending like, like I was before Chris. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole, like the whole, um, like I've been out of the, pre-ordering comic thing for years now and mm-hmm. like having some distance from it, it it's almost kind of an ab- abusive <laughs> relationship <laughs> between like you know the because it's like you're forcing people that are invested in your product to you know like especially with limited series or new series to invest several months of money into it before they've even you know, tried the product, you know, and, uh, for risk of, you know, there's just so, so much fear of missing out in comic books. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, they, they find a way to, to get the most money out of their shrinking population of fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with all that. Yeah, for sure. You know, but there, there, but there's just, there's always that alternative, you know, it's not like they, they don't make, they they do make alternatives available, but they know you know that people people are hooked you know and, and mm-hmm. want to have those physical copies. But you know there is always that option nowadays of digital. You know it it's, yeah. it is always available. Like you're really you're not going to miss out on reading the story. You're just going to miss out on on owning it if you're a collector. You know it, it, that that's it, and that's what the you know I mean for me I've always been the collector. But the other thing that started a few years ago and and, i mean you've never been uh this way uh anyhow but for me it's like and this happened probably about two years ago you know at that time i'm like you know i'm 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 48 like you know my how how long am i just going to keep buying like boxes of comic books Mm -hmm. like I'm thinking like long term, you know what I mean? I'm like, when I'm 
like in, in, in 15 years when I'm in my mid sixties, am I going to still be buying all of the, like what, what is the end goal here for buying all these comic books? And, and it, it sounds ridiculous because it's like, I don't know. It's just a difference in perspective because there's, it's always like nothing's changed whether you're 20 something or, you know, 50 something. But I, I think when you get, a, at least for me, now that I'm getting a little older, it's like, I can't take these things with me when mm-hmm. I go. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is, what exactly is the goal here? Why, why do I feel like I need to own these things? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, when you're younger, that's just so far off that it's not really a consideration. Yeah. I think that's what it is. is that it seems so far away that you just mentally think, oh, I can just think about that some other time. Right. Or it never even occurs to you because it's yeah. so far away. But, you know, I mean, and not that I'm, you know, about to hopefully knock on wood, not, not to, you know, about to fall over and die. But it's like when that, like, what, why do I need all of these things? Why do I need to own all these things? And I still have that fear of missing out. Like, I don't want to miss out on things. And I still have that, well, you know, if, if this introduces whatever and it becomes bad valuable you know i could i could read it but i've missed out on buying the actual issue but again mm-hmm. what what difference does it make i mean i i could tell you the only comic books i've ever sold were ones that i had more than one copy of <laughs> you know what i mean yeah I, like, i'm going out and like oh i gotta get this so i can you know make some big money in in 10 years right it, it's, yeah. it's just not a that's not even a consideration so why do i feel like an in and I'm not saying that I don't, because I, I still feel that way, but I question myself all the time. Like, why Why is that? And I'm trying to moderate it. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not super, I haven't been 100% successful. I'm still buying the comics on a monthly basis. You know what I mean? But, um, I mean, if I was totally successful, I would just have the Marvel in, uh, in DC app and, you know, buy, or maybe buy collections of other stuff or read them through the library of, you know, independent titles and stuff like that. I'm not doing that. So obviously I still have the feeling that I need to own these things, but I'm I'm really trying to pull back on it. Well, yeah. I mean, like you say, if you're completely successful, you wouldn't be buying any, but you know, I don't know if that's like totally true. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, each person's individual circumstances are different. Like, I think you have to consider the financial side of it. And, you know, if you have a budget and you know what your uh, budget is for just spending money, like just your free, your funny money to spend on whatever the hell you want, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you want to use all of that money towards comics, then that's your prerogative. That's what makes you happy. And, you know, I don't think that. So I think if you're in a financial situation where it's fine, you're, you're fine. You're good there. Then, you know, I think there is a certain amount of fun that come from collecting things and owning Mm -hmm. things, you know, as long as I think, as long as it's kept in perspective, you know, but um, to realize like, you know, I think when you start like getting, when you start having those thoughts of like of the amount that you're accumulating, and um, 
and that starts to bother you, mm -hmm. that maybe means doesn't mean like okay maybe I don't need to go cold turkey, but maybe I do need to cut back so that I'm at peace with the um, with the amount that I'm accumulating, you know, because it's doesn't feel like a burden when I think about having to at some point divest myself of this if I don't want to leave it for my kids to deal with, you know, right. You know, unless they, you know, unless you have kids or you have somebody that like you're going to leave it to, that's going to be jazzed about just owning the stuff, you know, but if you, but if they're just going to have to like get rid of it somehow, you know, um, you know, God knows I've, I've tried to get them interested in it to no avail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have kids, but it seems like kids, if they are going to get interested in what you're interested in, it's on their own prerogative, not because you want them to. <laughs> That's 100%. <laughs> I, can, I can testify to that. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, you're right, and you put it in a good perspective um, for me. Because, um, yeah, it is, it is fun, but um, I think what my issue was is that because we do have – uh, we we do have kids, you know, twins. That it's like we could always use the money for something else. Yeah, not that we're struggling, but it's like that money could always be used for something else. Um, so I feel really good about my last this last order because mm -hmm. I feel like wow, this is you know this is less than I spent in a couple of years, and if I can keep maintaining that, I feel like or even lowered a bit more, I, I feel like it could be a lot more transparent rather than how it was maybe, you know, a year or so ago. And, and, you know, it's, it, it, again, we were, we were doing okay, but it's like, I, I feel like, you know, there's so many other things we could be doing with the money. So it, it, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's stuff that comes up, um, other things that, you know, we, we might want to do and it's uh, it's nice not having to factor in all you know i spent this much money on my dcps order or whatever you know yeah yeah it's yeah yeah it's, it's it, it it becomes a habit you know it's almost like you you have to experience that good that that peace of mind enough times to like to know how good that feels and um, having experienced that feeling, that peace of mind starts to look more attractive than just having the stuff that you like thought about spending money on. Yeah, that's you very, know? that's very, very true. That, um, I mean, you would think with the kids being nine that like I, I would have been used to this, but I, I mean, a lifetime of just especially, you know, being older of being able to kind of spend money how you want it because we're not neither one of us would like buy crazy expensive things. Yeah. Um always seem to have enough money that it's even after 9 years it's like constantly like well we we're not in that same situation anymore. And it's like I think it's finally sinking through almost 10 years after the kids were born that like our disposable income isn't what it was before we had kids it took me like this long but that much conditioning i think over the course of 40 years yeah of, you know of being able to buy what i wanted to buy it, it's ridiculous it took me that long and i'm not saying that that's 
I think that most people would be, you know, uh, on top of that immediately or a lot faster. But it seems like, you know, I, I was very, very set in my ways. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I've met a lot of adults who just seem to never change, you know, never, mm-hmm. like, never learn, never, never grow, you know, never become better people than they used to be. And, like, I'm not, I would not say I'm a great person or anything, but. Well, I'll like, say then. <laughs> thank you but well, you know I, I I too like have made changes um, where it's taken me a really long time to change and like I feel like one of the um, most important lessons I've ever learned is like don't be discouraged if that happens because mm-hmm. sometimes I have changed things that I want to change about myself when after like so many attempts that you would think that it's never going to happen you know and like once that happened the first time it's it's helped me to remember other times when i get discouraged that like you know i haven't met my goal you know yeah that um, like this you're like well that to give up yeah yeah that it's like well that other time it took me you know a decade to finally make this change it, I did actually do it after a decade. So if it's, so that means that it's possible here as well. Yeah. You know? that's, 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 that's a good, that's very well said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting for sure. Yeah. Heavy stuff, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, but it, it is, it's just like, you know, you wouldn't think it should be so hard, but yeah, I think, uh, people are, you know, no matter who you are, you, for the most part, you get conditioned, you know, to how you're used to dealing with uh, circumstances or life or whatever, and it can be very hard to make make changes in your life. Yeah, I think there's like a, be, a mental whether, stimulus too, to yeah, collecting yeah. too, you know, like a. It's an, is it, well, it is a type of addiction to some extent, or it could be, I should say, not. It could be, you know, like, I mean. You know, if you want to, if you, like, I guess it's just like, it's like any, like anything else that like some people are addicted to, like you have to like look at yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, uh, there are things that people can enjoy, like alcohol, like gambling and stuff like that, that, um, other people like, you know, can't go anywhere near it or their life is ruined you know right yeah um so you got to know for yourself like you know i don't know if you know collecting stuff is on the same level but you know for some people it does it does become an addiction you know but just because you you know uh just because somebody spends more money than maybe they should on comics doesn't mean you know i guess that's the flip side to like the try, 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 try again thing, you know, um, you know, the flip side is maybe for some people, like, you know, there is no balance to be found, you know, mm-hmm. but everyone's got to figure that out for themselves, I guess, you know, with the help of other people, maybe, but yeah, I, I think about like, you know, our, uh, a friend, Paul, you know, Tessner and, uh, you know, he'll collect comics and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he just sells them all. And like, that like that like gives me like the shivers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> how how could you just get rid of all? I mean, you've got you got rid of a lot of your not 
not everything necessarily, but you got a lot, read a lot of stuff, and it, you know that that was fine with you. Saying like I could never just do that, and I mean for me, it's like owning that stuff is very important to me. And again, that doesn't mean it's an addiction, but um, I think for me, it you know that collecting is very habit forming. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 like you said, it's definitely not along the same lines as you know uh, drugs or alcohol or something like that. It, it, but the, I, I, you know, I, because there's really no physical component of that. But I think there definitely is a mental component where, like, whether it's that fear that you're going to miss stuff that you have to keep on top of things, um, and also just the, you know, the charge from from collecting itself. That you know, kind of like thing of uh, I, I I forget the the type of uh, hormone that surges. You know, when when you dopamine, I think. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and it's, like, I mean, I totally have some of that. Like, I don't, maybe not to the same degree, but like that, that collector mentality, like that I, I kind of, I have to keep, but you know, it's like, I haven't been buying comic books for quite a few years now, but it's not like I haven't been buying anything, you know, like I have a couple hundred video games, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever play all of them, you know, so it's not, <laughs> it's not exactly practical either, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like some of them I just have like to have, you know, kind of like Mike has said about his comics at times, like um, just to have available as an option, you know, even though technically like they're probably available digitally, you know, so it's like, um, but I got a better deal or something like that. But, you know, and yeah, with the, to go back to comics though, it's um, yeah, I don't have maybe quite the same, but I didn't quite have, I've gotten rid of more and I um, probably will get rid of more again in the future when I get around to it. But um, so I don't have the same level of attachment, but I do have like a, um, not a tier system per se, but like if I ever got rid of like my complete volume two of the flash, that would be the very last thing I ever got rid of, you know, mm-hmm. cause I am the most attached to that. I don't know if, if I ever got rid of that, you know, it might be when I'm just like, making sure I don't have a whole lot of stuff around for someone else to deal with point, yeah. you know, like when I'm retired or something like, but, you know, so it's like, I do have an attachment, you know, in varying degrees to, you know, um, with the, that, that, cause I, I, you know, like I collected that over a long period of time. Um, you know, I started, I wasn't buying that as it came out. I started when I think when Jeff Johns was, was writing it with Scott Collins art, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, like early on in that run. And then I, um, first I picked up the issues that I missed of their, of his, you know, him writing it. And then I went back and I filled in all like 200 something issues prior to that, you know, so that was, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of books. Yeah. So that was a collecting experience for me, you know, and, and something I put time into. So, um, and then just the character, you know, himself, became a favorite so um yeah so i i have that to, to certain enough i have enough of that that i can understand it you know yeah yeah for sure so very interesting yeah that's interesting like collecting collecting isn't bad per se in and of, of itself you know no because it, it, it it's a hobby it can be very enjoyable it's like you said um if you get to the point where you're overspending or over committing in in any aspect, really, if you're you know over 
spending or, or, or sacrificing time, you know, doing other things just so you can, uh, you know, spend time with the hobby, you know, and it's, it's detrimental to other aspects of your life. That's when it becomes a problem. But, you know, just as a hobby, it's, you know, a fantastic hobby. Yeah. You know, it's everything. It's like a Buddhist, everything in moderation type of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, cause even things that are good for you, like, you know, you could, you know, diets can be a, be an unhealthy thing for people like exercising can be done to an extreme where it's not good for you you know like everything you know could it's you can do that with everything you know yeah yeah so but well i want to um pivot for a second before we uh start talking about anything because or any of our stuff that we uh we read or watched but um because i i'm glad that you uh we're able to make it actually because uh, <clears throat> I Zach suddenly and I don't remember how exactly it happened. We I know we started discussing it a little bit, mm-hmm. but he became more and more um, anxious and wanting to play try Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, I I don't remember how it came up. We were mentioning it, and then we got a little bit more. Um, uh, serious about it and then um the uh one of the instructors at the they take taekwondo mm-hmm. and uh one of the instructors there is um they they employ uh as their assistant instructors some of the you know the previous kids that came through and mm-hmm. they're, they're still you know uh relatively young mm-hmm. um this this girl's actually only 15 and she's probably one of the best instructors that they they have just maybe it is because they're a little closer you know to those kids age that she can really really um she can really she's got great rapport with with the little you know the smaller kids um Mm -hmm. but anyhow she is into all of that stuff and you know she's mentioned dungeons and dragons a few times so uh I was looking online and looking at like that, like they've got a starter kit and stuff like that. And I mentioned it to her one day on the, uh, during Taekwondo and she's like, Oh wait, hang on. She's like, let me talk to my dad. There's a really good one that you can get digitally. And so she gave it to, she sent it to me and it was, um, and it's specifically designed for like little kids, like oh, that's cool. five to 11 or whatever, you know? Um, short adventure they it could take an hour or two they recommend don't like break it up into hours you know increments because kids don't have the attention span sometimes yeah Uh, but it's called an ogre and his cake and um basically what we ran it um last weekend uh we did a bunch on um saturday and then we did the rest maybe like the last 45 minutes on on sunday um zach and his sister Allie and my wife were the characters. Nice. <laughs> and, yep. And I, I I ran it, and um, so basically it's this uh, this misunderstood ogre near a town that shares their birthday with one of the um, one of the NPCs uh, that's a, a little kid herself, and and during the you know as the birthday party is 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 going on and they're wheeling out the cake, the ogre comes by and steals the cake and. Um, basically it's the ogre's birthday too. And I was feeling bad because, uh, he tried to bake his own cake and of course he burned it. And, you know, he's very sad that nobody ever celebrates his birthday and 
he ended up stealing the cake. So, um, yeah, so the, the three of them played. Um, Allie said that she was, she said, yeah, I'll play it. And then, you know, as we're going to get started, she's like, oh, she's like, I'm not, I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to like this. Well, um, she ended up absolutely loving it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. She um, uh, really liked the, uh, the role-playing aspect. Like she liked pretending she was, a, she was a little wizard gnome and uh, she really <laughs> enjoyed that. Um, Zach enjoyed that as well, and, and he enjoyed the. There really is only one big uh, combat um, thing in that adventure against mm-hmm. him. So he really enjoyed that. Allie didn't really uh, love the the combat. She thought it was fine, but um, she liked the role playing a lot more. And mm-hmm. anyhow, I thought it was very, um, very, it was very enjoyable. It was a lot of fun, and um, and so we're we're. Uh, I actually uh, downloaded that um, one that's uh, free on that on their website for uh, I think it was the first starter set, and um, we'll we're probably play play again. So it was it was a lot of fun. They both were totally into it. Now Allie is super excited about playing, whereas before she was very skeptical that she was going to enjoy herself. So yeah, oh, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Well, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Zach actually made because they came with pre-generated characters in the ogre thing. Allie wants to continue to use that one. Um, Zach wanted to make his own, so we sat down a um, uh, couple couple nights ago and we we created a new character for him. So he's very excited. He's going to be an elf druid. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. A family yeah. affair. It was a family affair, yeah. <laughs> Stacy can take it or leave it. She's not all that excited, but if the rest of the family is going to play, <laughs> she'll play too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you got the like leverage of the kids to get her into it. A hundred percent. That's the only reason why she even consider, would consider it at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's not that she dislikes it. It's nothing that she really cares much about. Um, right. So she wouldn't mind playing like once in a blue moon, but uh, you know, for for a regular game, it's not something that she's interested in. But with the kids now, yeah, well, you know, I've got her, got her hooked. So um, nice. So yeah, that'd be. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to share that with you because uh, I know that you had played in the past, and and we had uh, briefly had a um, uh, had an adventure ourselves. So that was um, yeah, it was just interesting to. I, that he suddenly was like, yeah, I want to, I want to play this. I think I would like it. I think I would like it. Let's, let's try it. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Where did, had, had you been talking about it or where did he hear must, about it? Do you think? I, I must've brought it up a couple times that, um, there's a, a place not far from us on Maple called dragon stack games. Mm-hmm. And they have, um, you know, card games and stuff like Pokemon. And so we've been there a few times and, you know, so he's kind of seen that stuff, but yeah, I think recently I I must have mentioned it. Oh, you know, I know what it is. I can't believe I totally forgot this. Um, this is this is why I, I did I did bring it up because I just read um, that book Art and Arcana. Um, it's a big like um, heavy book that has like tons of photos in there from uh, different all the different editions of. Dungeons and Dragons, and it goes through oh, okay. the history of of the game from you know 
prior to even first edition to you know the current fifth edition version and um it really is a very good interesting book um it's like 500 pages long but it takes it's super fast to read because the majority of it is 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 you know really nice pictures you know of uh, all the different artwork and and the different books and you know all that stuff um throughout its history so um that was making me interested in going back and like looking at stuff so i must have mentioned something to him a couple of times and, and he uh he was really uh excited and i wasn't sure where to start and that's when um that taekwondo instructor i'm like you know what this is the this is the perfect place to start especially with somebody like Allie who maybe wasn't all that excited you know she was role-playing as a as a little kid herself you know the, the character's a little kid and um yeah and it, it got her right it right into it so um yeah it was a lot of fun yeah it's and like it's neat to think about how that sort of connection to i mean because kids kids naturally role play on their own you know without any encouragement mm-hmm. it seems like they just kids just naturally sort of come up with the idea of role playing you know they don't call it that obviously but kids no. are and uh, kids playing they're constantly they just sort of naturally want to let you know imitate and pretend to be you know adults and other things you know playing oh 100 you know like pretending to be policemen or firemen or that she pretends of, all the time that she's that she's uh a teacher at school like yeah she'll go exactly. through the, you know yeah. and she'll put she'll be writing things you know up and stuff like that just like a te- yeah all the time uh, th- that's her thing for sure you're absolutely right yeah so maybe she can maybe her uh gnome wizard could be a teacher at uh <laughs> one of like college of magic or something exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah it was it was a whole lot of it was a whole lot of fun to play with them and, and have them really enjoy it um very interesting yeah it's awesome yeah. um well yeah I, you and mike talked about new new stuff when I wasn't around, so since he's not around, we talked about Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. And Dragons. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I can use. I think I can make a segue here. Um, sure. Uh, it might be a long one, but uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, like card games and stuff. Was that ever something that you were into? Any of those types of things? I I I really um me, myself really not, but um. Zach is much more interested in those things than that I ever was. Um, Does he do so, Pokemon? Or? So we've played real Pokemon against each other many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a starter deck of of mad, like whatever it is that you know each play, player has enough cards to play Magic against each other. Yeah. So those are the only cards we we have. Um, so we've played that a handful of times. I, honestly, it's really not my my thing but um mm-hmm. you know i'll i'm happy to play with him whenever he he wants to play and he, of course he gets stacy to play and every once in a while he gets Allie to play with him so mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's cool yeah i so back the first yeah i played magic the gathering um when i was in middle school like really early on it had just come out um i actually went to a 
speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, I actually went up to Toronto for a convention mm. um, and uh, played Dungeons and Dragons up there. And um, there was a vendor there that was selling Magic the Gathering, and I don't think it was even available like most places in the States yet. Wow. You know, I mean, I think within a very short period of time it was. It just, but it was, you know, real early on. Yeah. Um, basically, to illustrate that, you know, and, you know, I, my friends and I played it for a couple years. And then um, as we got um, closer to high school and into high school, you know, we, we kind of dropped all that stuff. Got into more into music and that kind of scene, mm-hmm. um, but um, so yeah, and then that so that like so that was kind of the last, you know. But in the meantime, Magic: The Gathering became massive and is massive. Um, Pokemon came out like probably the same for you. I was just not. I was in between being a young geek. And then becoming a geek again. <laughs> Once I got past, like, um, you know, being concerned about, like, being cool and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but what other people thought about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that hit at that point. So I was like, yeah, I don't, that's Pokemon's not for me. Um, so I never got into the Pokemon thing. Um, I briefly, so, you know, so then in the meantime, those collectible card games got massively popular um i did play hearthstone for a little while which was the like i did too yeah i I wonder if you did because i know you were into warcraft for a while yeah and that's a spinoff you know like that's magic the gathering basically but um world of warcraft Warcraft. (laughs) (laughs) but you know ultimately like a lot of the things there's a lot of things about those games that bothered me i almost sound like i'm i almost feel like i sound like i'm um i'm doing a commercial right now (laughs) (laughs) but what i'm getting to is that you know like i mentioned to you guys i um had tried marvel snap oh yes that's right um and that's brand new right that's pretty pretty new it came out a few weeks ago um like global you know to, to the general populace i know there was like <laughs> beta tests and stuff but um you know i was kind of like i didn't try it right away because you know i had gotten sick of the card games like magic the other and hearthstone because you know you have to spend money to get cards um you know you you buy these booster packs you know like um and they're random cards and you know, you can just invest a lot of money in it and get all the cards and make more powerful decks just by spending money. Mm-hmm. And the games can really drag on and take a while. And it's just there's the longer the game goes on, the more stuff there is to remember. And it's just like, you know, Magic the Gathering, like, it just it's just so popular and so much strategy got on a level where I just didn't feel like mentally it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, to play these people who are just really invested in it and just start, you know, have these strategies that are beyond me. 
beyond what I want to invest mentally into it. So I kind of wrote off that type of game. And so when I heard about Marvel Snap, which was developed by people who developed Hearthstone and then left, um, I was kind of like, well, whatever. And I'm (laughs) kind of jaded about the Marvel, the whole Marvel thing right now too, just because it's, Disney has made it so ubiquitous mm-hmm. just everywhere. I'm not like Marvel doesn't draw me in the way that it used to. It's, um, you know, occasionally I'll get excited about it indirectly. Like the last time I was like, I'm going to read some Marvel comics was because I was playing the PlayStation Spider-Man game. Which mm-hmm. I played because I knew it was a really good game. But then as I was playing it, like you played it too, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, it was just a really, like, I, I know, and you know, we know our Spider-Man stories, you know, like we know, <laughs> they know the pieces that they have to work with, and we can analyze what they've decided to do with those pieces, and I don't know about you, but I felt like this is, like, better than a lot of the movies, like, they've, it was, it was really fantastic. they've done a fantastic job with, with the Spider-Man mythos here. So that was like, that's what I got indirectly excited about reading Marvel stuff again. And then, but I was just like, well, I'm just curious. And so I tried it and, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really into it actually because it, it deals with a lot of those things I was talking about. Like one, um, games only last like three or four minutes, Mm. um, because you only have 12 cards in your deck, which is a lot less than other games. Tons less. Yeah. You can only have one of any individual card, mm. so you can't just like load your deck with a certain type of card or like I think you know other games have a limit like you can have up to three or something like that. Right. But you only you you know um, the way that you unlock cards is you progress up this ranking, and it's separated into the three pools: pool one, two, and three. And pool three just kind of goes on forever. Um, but, you know, when you're in pool one, like, you unlock cards randomly, but within that pool. So once you progress to the end of pool one, you will be guaranteed to have all of those cards. Mm, wow. You know, and you just face other players that are in that same pool. So, yes, like, you might have unlocked one card that they haven't yet, but generally you're kind of in the same place. And then, you know, again, same thing with pool two. And then once you're in pool three, which I haven't gotten to yet, um, I'm in pool two. It, it's a little bit more wild west um, because of how, you know, the rate as you go on, the rate that you get new cards slows down. Oh. Um, and it really, really apparently slows down in pool three. So, um, but yeah, you, you, you know, I won't spend too much time describing it, but despite the short length of the game, it's really fun. Like you, you play, it's only six turns and there's three locations. So you play your cards in any one of the three locations and you can only play up to four cards per location. Um, and each location, like the first, the first one is revealed on the first turn, second, second turn, third, third turn, but you can play, cards in any of them from the beginning you just might be taking a risk that when the location is revealed it will do something negative because each location has a specific effect so like 
Um, there's like a location that's like Sinister Labs, like Mr. Sinister. Uh huh. And any card that you play there gets cloned to create right. another. To create, it fills the entire location. So you play one card and all of a sudden you have four cards of the same card and that location is filled. Mm. So it's all themed to different Marvel stuff. And so yeah, there's a lot of strategy in the, the, um, Every once in a while you get, there's so many different locations. Every once in a while you get a wild one that just really like throws the game off and you just have to adapt. Like there's one where you, as soon as it's revealed, you start drawing from your opponent's deck instead of your own. So you have like no idea what card you're going to get. Um, and stuff like that. And it's just, if you know, like I think it'd be fun regardless if, if you're into card games, but if you know, if you really know your Marvel lore, it's really, it's re- yeah, it's well really done. fun to see how they've adapted that to the card abilities. You know, mm. like um, I haven't even, I've only heard about this card. I haven't seen it. I don't have it, and I haven't seen it yet. But apparently, the Mysterio card, <clears throat> when you play it, it creates two other copies. So there's three Mysterios on your sideboard, <laughs> like and that. only you can see which one has is the real one basically like each card has a power yeah you know um zero to whatever and um two of them are zero power and one of them is five power but only you can see that to your opponent it looks like all three are zero power and they just have to try to figure out or guess which one is the real one um for example um you know uh, like the Hulk is a power, obviously a card that has a lot of power. Um, so basic things like that. And the effects are neat too. Like when you play the Ant-Man card, as you're dragging the card from your deck to the location, it gets really tiny <laughs> until, <laughs> until you like release it. Or when you play the Hulk card, the whole board shakes, you know, so it's pretty neat. Um, and so, um, that my segue is that uh, my super long segue is that it. I read some Marvel comics this week <laughs> Be, because of that. Because I was like, yeah, Marvel, you know, it's. Uh, it's well, that well before you get you start, I, I just wanted to say, I mean, that does sound pretty interesting. And like, you know, what's funny is the one card game that I actually started, to, I played for quite some time was was on uh, the iPad. Um, was actually the the Pokemon card game, mm-hmm. and because like Zach was getting Pokemon cards, and and uh, you're you're probably not familiar, but you buy a deck, it or not a deck, when you buy a booster pack, um, it comes with a little insert where you can put um a digital code in, and you get um basically you get like a a booster pack of uh, digital cards. Uh, that you can play online. Yeah. Um, That's cool. So, and then you can also, obviously you can, when you, you know, create an account and stuff, you get, you know, all sorts of starter cards for free as well. So, um, yeah, I, st- I, I played regularly every day for probably a good year or so. Um, oh, prior wow. to and into the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started getting, really pretty good with a couple of the decks that I created. Um, but it's very similar to what you were describing before. Yeah. 
It's like I didn't want to spend. I was just getting the the rewards and stuff to get free, um, you know, free um, packs. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just never, Chris. It's just never ending. You know, right, obviously, yeah. in order to keep the game going and keep revenue coming in, every like three months, there's a whole new set of um, booster packs. You know, with brand new cards. Yeah. And it's like at at some point at least for me, I get tired. I, get, I just get tired of trying to keep up. So right. after, uh, I, and I did play for about a year, but after that, it's like, oh, I, I just don't feel like doing this anymore. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I'm stopping, but, um, but yeah. Talk I mean, about like hobbies that you could like, you know, mortgage your house over. <laughs> sure. And, and it's funny because that, that is a good point. And it's something that, you know, we discussed before, whereas for me, that is something that I can, as opposed to comics, I can take or leave. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I'm never going to spend a lot of money on this. I was having fun with the free packs that I could get, but at some point, it's like I, I don't want to keep trying to get you know a bunch of the new the new sets that they keep coming out with. So I just drop it, and it's totally fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, so you know that's just the case where you 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 don't have that kind of feeling. You're not invested as as much, but um. But yeah. So anyhow, I, I yeah, it's play. like this is fun, but I, it's it starts to become not fun, and you're like, I could do this one thing that would maybe keep it being fun, but it's not worth it to me. <laughs> exactly. And and you know, for me, it's like, oh, there's a lot of other things I could do instead. So <laughs> like, I'm gonna gonna stop now. So and that was fine. Yeah, I mean, it it remains to be seen. Like right now, so like. You can so the Marvel Snap has gold that you can buy, but all you can really you can do you can do with gold is you can um, you can upgrade your cards earlier. So the way that you um, progress your collection is upgrading your current cards, mm-hmm. and you get boosters, which in this case doesn't mean a pack. It just means like it's just a numerical value. Like you get five Nightcrawler boosters or whatever. And like you need a certain amount of boosters to upgrade the card, and it's just a cosmetic upgrade. Like the first upgrade, like the art on the card breaks out of the border of the card, for oh, okay. example. And then mm-hmm. each each upgrade to a certain point um, costs more and does more visually to the card, but it's all just visual. Um, and but then each time you do that, like you get a certain amount of ranks on the collection rank um so you could you could spend that gold which you can buy with money um on um like upgrading your collection rank faster but it's not really that great of an idea you're probably better off just playing and and getting the boosters passively as you go because you know the the fast the faster you get new cards the farther you progress in the collection rank the more you're going to face more experienced players yeah (laughs) so that's not really a great idea like the other thing you can buy variants so they'll like you know they'll have like the nightcrawler card that everybody gets and then you you can like there's like maybe i think like six available per day that you can spend gold on to buy like a variant version with just with different art and they have like themes like there's pixel variants where the character is done up like a 16-bit mm-hmm. video game character and stuff like that so you can buy those and you could use that 
variant in your deck instead of the regular one just for shits and giggles and um you can buy those with gold um and then the other thing is like there's a battle pass like that is monthly and um you can spend ten dollars um on that and um you do get like one or two cards out of that like the one that just started this week is um black panther themed for the movie coming out mm. um and so as soon as you spend that $10, you do get a Black Panther card. Um, but it's one card, you know, so it's not like, you know, it's not like you can't compete if you don't have it, you know. And the rest of the stuff pretty much is like, you know, you get your boosters, you get your gold, you get some, like, avatars to use as your, you know, thing when next to your name, you know. But yeah. so it's like it's. Yeah, it's pretty fair that way, um, money-wise. It's almost like to the point where you're like, do they need to introduce something else you can spend money on to make money? Because you really don't have to. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't know how long I'll stick with it. Like, and you know, it may change down the road where I don't like it as much. But right now, it kind of like solves all those issues that I had with other card games where I'm actually enjoying it. So that's fantastic. And 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 even if it doesn't you know, last forever. It's it's nice to have something fun like that, you know, at least for a while, you know? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't need it to necessarily be, you know, I have plenty of other things to do. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I don't do, how many things did you have for today? Um, um, I've got, I can either do two or three. Okay. Um, well, why, I, I definitely only have two, so why don't you start and then, okay. um, we'll I'll see what, choose. we'll yeah. see how we're doing on time. Okay. All right. So, uh, not surprisingly, probably, but, um, my first one is Dazzler number one. So, uh. Not surprisingly I, for anybody that doesn't know, because you did a poll, right? <laughs> right. So, I Twitter, I did a poll, uh, at the beginning of last week. I had a few different ideas of what I wanted to read. I, I had previously gone through um, uh, Captain America 100 and – well, actually, Tales, when he first came back to Tales of Suspense all the way through Captain America 201, which finishes the story arc. Um, and that that means that like I've read every Captain America story from the entire first volume, which – went uh-huh. like 450 something issues. Um, cause I, I, that's really, I started collecting in the like one nineties or whatever. Um, but you know, it's the middle of an arc. I wanted to, to complete that whole thing. Um, so I finally, a few years ago, filled my entire run of those earlier issues that I had been missing. I read the, um, tales of suspense on, I had them on Marvel, uh, a couple of Marvel masterworks. Um, so I read those and then went to my individual issues. But anyhow, um, that's all beside the point. What my point is, is that I was looking to read a run that was uh, quite a bit shorter than 200 issues. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had a few ideas. Um, I had uh, Savage She-Hulk, which is like, I can't even remember, 20-something issues. Uh, Supreme, which I think is 50-something, maybe 50 issues. Um. What was the other one? Oh, DNA agents, DNA agents, DNA agents, um, which are is like thirty something issues, I think, and then mm-hmm. Dazzler, which I think is like 
maybe 42 or something. Um, but anyhow, put it up for a poll. I don't have uh, very many followers. Um, so I specifically asked everyone uh, in my in our in our little group, Chris, you know, could you just um, retweet, uh, you know, especially like I know that Kirk and Joe, you know, are very um, visible on on Twitter and, you know, they they interact a lot with a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I knew that if they uh, retweeted, I, I'd get some votes. And sure enough, I had over 100 votes, which was I mean, way more than I expected, but Dazzler won with uh, like 30, something like 35 or 36 percent of the um, of the four way vote. So um, she took an early lead and and never lost that lead. So I figured I'd um, start reading today. Um, I've never read uh, apart from one or two issues that I just had owned in the past. I'd never um, read Dazzler. I have all the single issues at this point. Got those a few years ago. A good time to start reading. So, anyhow, Dazzler number one is from 1981 and is written by Tom DeFalco, and the penciler is John Romita Jr. in his old, just I guess regular Marvel style, not his stylized style. Um, so uh, this uh, starts right away with some action. She's uh, Dazzler Allison Blair is running um, from uh, three or four guys that are just chasing her down. We don't know why, but she runs into a dead end. Um, She ends up um, kind of uh, getting the the guys to stop. Um, And, you know, they say, hey, you know, we don't want to hurt you. We just wanted to invite you to a little party. And she's like, oh, is that right? Well, hang on up, but check my makeup. And, like, she sits on a trash can and starts like going through her purse and they think that she's, she must be nuts. Um, but what she's doing then is she's attached magnetically attaching uh, her roller skates to the bottom of her shoes and she's taking out her little radio and she starts blasting it. And if you know anything about Dazzler is that her, she's a mutant and her power is um, she can transform sound waves into light. So she needs sound in order to create um, any of her light um, effects. So she puts on her music and she starts all these strobes and stuff and basically making all these guys kind of uh, dizzy and and spaced out. Um, Just happened to be swinging by um, at that time as Spider-Man and uh, uh, he, he sees all this light show coming from an alley and he swings down in time to see um, Dazzler hitting a couple of the hoods with uh, garbage can lids. Um, He's like, "Is that a character in their first in the first issue of their comic? I better show up." <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's also on the cover, as is Enchantress, Nightcrawler, and Iron Man. Wow, well, uh, it really yeah. loaded it up. I wanted, yeah, and that's actually one of the things I wanted to, to mention, and I might as well mention it now, is that. Looks like they, for whatever reason, whether it's for sales or, or for story or a combination of both, most likely, is the, it seemed like they wanted to get her integrated into the um, Marvel Universe um, very quickly and, and, and heavily. Um, she, there's a, a plethora of other heroes that show up. She is in New York City. But they don't make it, you know. I mean, it's it's right away. I mean, this is page five, and Spider-Man's already in there. And you'll see as I go that more show up. Um, they definitely wanted to establish her as uh, 
um, a presence in the Marvel Universe um, right away. Now, Dazzler had previously appeared in a Spider-Man issue, which is how he already knows who she is, um, and her first appearance was in, in X-Men. So, um, as he swings down, uh, one of the one of the bad guys is shooting wildly and manages to hit the radio, um, uh, which is bad news for <clears throat> Dazzler because now there's no sound, and she she's like, I can use any type of sound to create my light, but the, the music is you know sustained music obviously is the best. Um, however, she doesn't have to worry because uh, Spider-Man comes and starts attacking them um, when they least expect it. Um, one, the one guy that was watching the car uh, jumps in to, to take off, but Spider-Man webs it up, keeps it from, from going, and, and you know he does his trademark, webbing them up on a light post um, for the authorities. And he, uh, he bids adieu to, to Dazzler, and, and she goes uh, skating on her way. Uh, she is right now down on her luck. She's in a very low-rent apartment doesn't look like much um she comments that she's got no hot water and she's got no heat but she is not in a position to complain to the landlord because she's also two months behind on the rent she has nothing to eat but half of a, a cantaloupe and a box of crackers and has no money to buy anything else she's feeling uh, awfully alone so she places a phone call to um <clears throat> to uh Charles uh, Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, and uh, Storm answers the phone, and um, they talk briefly. Um, uh, she asks Allison if Allison was uh, had changed her mind and decided to come um, live with the X Men instead of uh, uh, you know being a singer, which is what her dream is. And uh, she says no, and she kind of calls the she kind of ends the call um, very quickly because. Um, uh, she she kind of depressed her with like that even that scenario with uh possibly having to give up uh, her singing dream um she kind of <clears throat> uh thinks back to when she was younger as a middle schooler and always wanting to sing and and um dance and entertain and her father was very strict and wanted uh was a judge and was trying to push her uh to just study 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 to go to law school um and she um, remembers the first time that her powers manifested. Uh, she wanted to go to a talent show at the school dance uh, in between um, sets by a by a, a hired band, and uh, her father originally forbade it, but um, uh, her grandmother said, "No, you go, and I'll I'll you know tell your tell your dad that I I gave gave permission." So um, while she was there, she just totally opened up and. Um, for the first time, like all these lights started um, all over the place in the gym gymnasium, and uh, she didn't even know quite what was happening, and everyone else thought it was part of the school's <laughs> light show. Um, fun, funny enough, uh, these gangsters come breaking into the high school dance <laughs> and start not like beating up the principal and like destroying everything and. Um, what their intentions are, I have no idea. It's kind of odd, but um, she she won't take that. Uh, and uh, she she for the first time like kind of focuses her her lights as bright as possible and actually temporarily blinded um, not just the hoodlums but uh, almost everyone else in the 
in the school, but nobody knew that it was her. They thought it was um, a malfunction of the equipment. So uh, that's how she's kind of uh, going back and remembering things. And then when she finally graduated from college, um, she finally said, no, I'm not going to law school. Um, and they did, had a separation with her father because uh, he didn't want to hear it. And that's when she decided to start um, pursuing her singing career. But so far, uh, she's not getting anywhere at all. She's rock bottom. Uh, very, uh, I, even though I saw Enchantress on the cover, I was still surprised that we then transitioned to Asgard. If anything, I kind of expected to see maybe Enchantress immediately in New York for some strange reason. But um, <clears throat> it goes into this uh, next several pages of this unknown warrior um, marching up these stairs and encountering a couple og giant ogres and um, defeating them in battle and then walking this long hallway until gets to a set of huge doors that open up and inside is the enchantress and enchantress says, you know, you know, I see that, you know, you, you busted my, my guardians, but, um, you know, come and provide me with some amusement. And, you know, he just prostrates uh, himself, you know, at her feet and uh, just wants to worship her and, and says that what his desire is, is just, um, uh, kneel down there and worship her for all the all eternity. So she uh, she says, "Oh well, I can definitely do that uh, for you," and transforms him into a tree um, that's bent over in front of her. Um, so not a nice. You quickly know if you don't know anything about Enchantress that she's not a nice person. Uh, she goes to a fountain that she has in her area uh, called the Fountain of Forever, and she peers into it and she sees that there's going to be a rift in space and time um, sometime soon where uh, there's going to be an opportunity if she's there to basically be able to secure this um, otherworldly magic and become one of the most powerful uh, creatures in our dimension. And um, she decides that that's something she needs to do. Um, the rift is going to happen in uh, Earth, in New York City, of course. And uh, very strangely enough, uh, the rift is going to happen on the stage of a disco, Chris. So, um, <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? So she needs to get there. And um, uh, she begins her, her scheming. Um, we then cut to the Avengers Mansion. So we've already seen Spider-Man. We've already seen the full team of the X-Men in the Danger Room. And now we see the Beast reading a newspaper upside down in the kitchen of the Avengers Mansion. And he sees something that um, excites him. And he, he um, jumps out of the room. Um, and uh, we see also Iron Man, Wasp, Captain America, Hawkeye. Uh, see the whole crew. But Beast goes bounding out. And next thing you know, he's tapping on the outside window of Allison Blair's apartment and uh, says, you know, I know you haven't met me yet, but, um, you know, he's obviously familiar with her from the other X-Men. And, uh, and she lets him in. And there is a um, newspaper ad that a singer at this premier disco has taken ill and they are doing tryouts for a replacement. Um, so, uh, she's like, thank you so much. This is amazing. And she goes, um, she shows up there, uh, for tryouts, uh, who's there just prior to her, but the Enchantress. 
Enchantress is auditioning to be the singer of this disco because she needs to be on stage when this rift appears. So she um, does a simple spell that enamors um, the, the disco manager and she sings a haunting ballad and the guy is just overcome and uh, Allison gets there next and says, you know, I'm here for the audition. And he says, we're not looking anymore. We already have a new singer. And, um, and she's like, well, she's like, but you haven't even heard me. Um, let me let me try. And he's like, that's fine, but you're wasting your time. So she she belts out um, a terrific song. Uh, the light, of course, the light show accompanies it. And he she's so good that he has to pause and, and decide what to do. And. He says, "Listen." Uh, he's talking to Enchantress. He's like, "You're you're the most beautiful woman that I've ever ever seen." But you know, Dazzler, your voice makes it all happen. You get the gig. Needless to say, Enchantress is not pleased with this um, turn of events. She um, starts threatening them, and in her anger, knocks down an entire um, wall of the disco to the outside, and says, "You know, be thankful. I'm not uh, that. I only." unleashed my wrath on on this wall and not on you however someday you're going to pay and she walks out and that's the end of the first issue um so definitely uh a lot of uh like i said uh what what we're seeing here is it seems like trying to get her into the uh marvel universe superhero universe as a whole um which, you know, I mean, you could do one way or the other. You could kind of develop her and, and, and a cast of characters around her, um, you know, apart from the rest of the universe or, you know, kind of uh, integrate her. And it seems like that's what Bill Mantle uh, has chosen to done. And I, I it was it was done really well. It, it didn't seem necessarily forced. Um, it was it was definitely an interesting first issue. Cool. Yeah, I um, I like. It's amusing the the dazzler, the initial dazzler look, and the whole you know clear attempt to tie into disco. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Nineteen eighty one. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty amusing. Um, they're kind of like a little late on that trend, though. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> no, as as usual, but. I kind of like um, when they started chasing more of the the, the punk look in the 80s um, mm-hmm. with the X-Men. And uh, I think my favorite version of her is when she got the short hair and the blue costume. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like what with, and I think she was in the X-Men at that time too. Yeah. When she? she's yeah. a part of the team. I, I really yeah. like that team too. Mm-hmm. That the like, I think often talk, referred to them as like the Outback. Yep team yep. with long shot yeah I, I dig that storm yeah, mohawk cool. storm mohawk storm yep out in australian outback yeah so i will stick speaking of the x-men i'll stick to that um that corner of the x the marvel universe um, well i'm just trying to figure out how it I gotta get back to the issue that I read instead of the the next one on the end. <laughs> always um it used to be easy like you used to be able to click on the tap on the name of the series instead of the 
picture of the cover. Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem to be working, so I will. Um... What do you want? Uh, Comicsology or something else? Uh, Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited. Gotcha. Yeah. Come on, Uncanny X Men. Again, like all the other Uncanny X Men. <laughs> uh, Marvel in their rebooting. I was um, keeping you on your toes. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I had like 10 minutes to do this while you no, were it's, talking. It's, hey, that's fine. It's all right. Um, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, you search for Uncanny X-Men and um, you have to scroll down forever to actually find the Uncanny X-Men that give you everything. That has like 400 issues. Yeah, but the Uncanny X-Men. <laughs> and it's not even called Uncanny X-Men at the point that I'm reading it, but that's what's under. Mm. Oh, Lord. Um, okay, let's try this a different way. Oh, maybe because I was... All right, hang on. So yeah, if you have anything interesting you want to say. Oh, I think I covered it all. Hey, hang on one second, though. Okay, here I got it. I'll get started while, you, where, while you're doing what you need to do. Um, oh, Stacy wanted to point out that it's snowing here. Oh. Uh, not here yet. I think we're supposed to get some, though. Yeah, very lightly. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to get much. Okay. X-Men, or as it would become, come to be known, Uncanny X-Men, uh, issue 21. Oh, an oldie. Yeah, I, I went back to my uh, read Marvel from the beginning project that we'll, I'll, I'll never accomplish. It'll be interesting to see how far you get. Yeah, I know. Yeah, check in with me um, on my deathbed. <laughs> Chris, 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 I know you're, I know you're dying, <laughs> but hang on just one second. What was the last one you got to? <laughs> like, doctor, it's it's not really a good time. Uh, I know, but it's just I have something I important to ask. One question, you. damn it! <laughs> so, Sorry, go uh, ahead. Um, yeah, this is so Roy Thomas has taken over writing this um, at this point, and the art is by um, Jay Gavin and Dick Ayers. Um, and this is a continuation from the previous issue, which I, I think I read this summer. That was the last, that was when I was playing Spider-Man. And, uh, um, last time I was reading these, um, so it starts out with the, the team and, um, a, uh, a ship, um, there, this, this issue is dealing with, uh, Lucifer, who has the exact same color scheme as Magneto. I was um, just going to comment on that. Yeah, I, I, they, they can only face villains who uh, wear purple and red together. Yes. It's like actually from that cover, you 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 might not even, from a glance, you might not even know if that's who that is that they're, that they're facing. It could have no, been if you, if you Yeah, if you only give it a glance, you, you're most likely going to think it's Magneto if you yeah. know what he looks like. Um 
<laughs> yeah, you have to look at it for a second to realize it's not. Um, so they they um, they're going after Lucifer. Um, prior to this issue, um, some members of uh, like Blob and and a few other folks impersonated the X Men and um, did you know robbed some places. So um, we're not quite to the point. Um, that things will get in terms of like mutants being hated for being mutants so much as they're just um it's that's the typical superhero plotline of of impersonating the superhero and ruining their reputation so that's sort of a background mm. that comes up but um they're uh they're heading in their jet to where lucifer is supposed to be at and um and they see these green sort of blob shapes coming down in a shaft of light um and um i think they're out in sort of the desert area um because there's down on the ground there's some some cowboy type um dude ranch type of guys um that also are seeing this and saw it again saw it recently and so they um hop on their horses because there's no roads to where they're headed to um, figure out what's going on because it's going to drive any customers away. Um, so um, they'll come up again later. Um, but uh, as the X-Men are coming in um, to the area, um, there's some geysers that erupt and um, they, uh, they're looking for this underground. So, so, Professor X, he he observes the fact that the water's flowing um, towards the butte um, and not uh, that not far from it, it disappears underground. So they're thinking that that's like a secret entrance to to. Um, so they they get out of the jet into some um, this little like buggy transport type tech thing. Um, and uh professor says um beastie boy <laughs> did you ever notice the tiny signs of materialism in warren's character and b says so what you what you what you want what you want <laughs> years before the actual song yeah yeah <laughs> um so i've been planning on making that joke since i read this <laughs> um but yeah, I thought it was funny they called him Beastie Boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lucifer was behind um, Blob, and um, it was actually um, Eunice, um, the Untouchable, that was the other one that impersonated them, and they want to clear their names and stuff. Um, so uh, they start descending down into this canyon, and they run into those those cowboy guys um and have a bit of an altercation with them because uh they recognize the x-men uh, for being in the news as being wanted out wanted out east in new york for their crime their supposed crimes um gene displays the you know fantastic power level she has at this point by by um, telekinetically shoving the one guy's hat down over his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, that. Yeah, so this is one of those issues where it's really the whole, like, 
what Claremont said that he observed and wanted to change uh, is really um, apparent hmm. with, with what little she does with her powers. Hmm. Um, but it, but it, it, it's amusing, um, amusing end to their altercation when um, Iceman sends one of the guys away, um, still on his horse, but his whole entire torso and arms are encased in a block of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's thinking, how will I ever explain this to the boys back at the dude ranch? <laughs> but, um, yeah, Iceman's pretty useful in this, in this issue. Um, they, they get to that. So they're down at that water that they saw from the plane and, you know, it, it's flowing into this, um, opening and they need a way to travel on the water. So, you know, he, he makes a ice raft for them. Um, but, uh, Whirlpool appears out of nowhere um, and uh, shatters that that ice raft. Um, meanwhile, so Professor X, he stayed up, you know, he's still in a wheelchair, so he he's um, he stayed up back at the top of the area that they started descending, and um, these large yellow and green um, robots come up and um, abduct, abduct him. Um, and bring him into, um, into the lair, um, to Lucifer. Um, so, so the X-Men are, are kind of separated into three and two. Um, Cyclops, Angel, and Jean are separated from, um, from Beast and Iceman. Um, the, the, the trio gets trapped quickly into this kind of, um, transparent cage and um while beast is is uh, comes up from underwater and, and gets um gets picked up by some of these same large robots that got professor x um and we have a we have a panel which which might have inspired the idea for the silver silver surfer um because iceman uh, is uh, surfing on an ice surfboard and looks a hell of a lot like the Solar Surfer. <laughs> um, but he he go he uses his momentum to go flying into the back of one of the robots that's got uh, Beast captive and um, gets him free. They um, try to head into the base themselves and they run into uh collide with a metal wall that drops into place to prevent them from from progressing any further um so then we go into a bit of a like uh villain monologue sequence where lucifer fills professor x in on everything that's going on and lucifer is like a He's not a, uh, from the human race he's not from earth he um comes from this other um group out um that has dominated a good many um worlds uh throughout the universe um and has made this uh super weapon called dominus um and um those robots that we've seen are pretty much essential to its operation dominus is is no small um weapon um and needs a lot of um hands to operate and those hands are robotic hands um and they seem to have been a 
around for a real long time, long before, you know, uh, before the human race developed um, and their technology is, is far more advanced than ours. Um, so we check back in with the X-Men. Um, the, the two groups are reunited um, and um, Hank and, and Bobby are put into the same trap as the other three by the robots, but um, the X-Men are able to break free and overcome the, the robots that are nearby um, and head off to try to find um, their leader. Um, <clears throat> and there's kind of a sequence where um, Professor X um, tries to communicate with them te te telepathically, um, but they're not real sure, um, you know, what... Uh, I'm not really sure if it's him or not, or if it's Lucifer impersonating him, because it doesn't come through in the same way. And so there's disagreement amongst them as to, you know, whether what they should do. And there's they, they there's some infighting. Uh, we see another fantastic display of Marvel Girl's powers when she flips uh, Lucifer's cape over his head. <laughs> um, and um, <clears throat> You know, eventually um, the confusion gets sorted out as as you expect, um, and um, the X Men overcome the robots, um, and they get on board with Professor X's what he's trying to communicate to them, and uh, focus their attention on the robots specifically to destroy them all, um, and um, because of what. Lucifer so helpfully told Professor X he knows that the robots are essential to operate um, Dominus. And so while Dominus itself could not be destroyed, the robots that are essential to operating it could be. Um, and uh, we actually see another fellow um, come in on this large video screen to berate Lucifer, who he calls Agent One, um, for his failure. Um, and he is sentenced to uh, be banished in a nameless dimension where neither time nor space exists. And um, Lucifer calls out to the X-Men for help um, as he's this uh, beam of light comes and sweeps him away, but there's um, you know nothing that they can do about it. So last couple panels, um, Professor clears up the Professor X clears up the confusion. Um, you know. Uh, he was he was trying to pierce Lucifer's mental screen um, at the same time to make him command the robots to attack recklessly. At the same time, he was trying to com communicate to them, um, and so that's why um, it seemed like he was possibly under Lucifer's control. So clears up that remaining issue, um, and that's that. That's our tale. Um, yeah, it was an average issue. Uh, you know, Lucifer is not that fantastic of a villain. Like I said, he, no. he looks almost like Magneto and, um, yeah, he, he's, he's kind of average. And so the issue is kind of average. I, I, um, unfortunately, I, I, I have to agree. I, yeah, I remember and, you know, reading that, that part, you know, that, that era, not era, but that kind of like basic run. And I, I it was it was fine. It just wasn't anything great. Yeah, and um, Roy Thomas is is pretty much he just kind of channels 
and he's pretty young, I think, at this point. Like he kind of just kind of channels Stanley. Yeah. Um, there's even though you finally have somebody else writing one of these titles, it doesn't feel any different, really. No. So, I agree. Yeah. It was okay, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was things in it that uh, were entertaining. So, cool. Um, all right. So my next one is one that's just been sitting in a pile for literally years, but I picked it up today, and it's Thumb Force number seventeen from 1989. Found the ads in here as. Actually, as interesting as the as, as the story, and the story was not bad. Um, it's written by Bill Black and pencils by Darren Goodhart. I'm not really familiar with either one, but um, basically, what's happening here? Um, and this is a black and white comic by AC Comics. Um, Fem Force has been uh, the members have been called to their headquarters um, at a place called Jungle Island, which is off the coast of Florida. <clears throat> and um, they are, some of their allies are showing up there too. Um, and uh, there's this group called the Sentinels of Justice. Apparently it was a, um, a quartet of heroes that um, uh, that were uh, adjacent to Femme Force, a couple guys, um, at least one one woman um, on that team. So anyhow, they all show up and um, they they start talking. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different characters here. And for me, not really being familiar, it was uh, just it was not hard keeping track but there was just a lot of new ones um that i wasn't familiar with so i was just okay this guy's this guy this guy's this guy um so there's a, a captain paragon there's also a captain freedom those are two guys um there's another one called stardust a woman and uh they're all being summoned by i guess the um leader of femme force night vale so they talk about some things that have happened, and apparently the Sentinels of Justice have broken up. Um, they were not an officially sanctioned um, group by the government like Femme Force is, and now apparently, <clears throat> similar to what happened much later in Marvel, uh, paranormals have to be registered, and they were not an official group, so they've, they've um, now broken up. Stardust um, asks if there's room for her on Femme Force, and they say yes. Um, so after uh, several pages of, of chatting and so forth, um, Night Vale uh, appears and uh, announces that she's assembled everybody um, for kind of uh, some uh, their opinion. Um, she's uh, troubled by a moral dilemma dilemma that she has, um, <clears throat> and oh, basically what she indicates is that she uh, recently had had a battle, a shape changer that um, assumed the form of a comic book uh, creature, a monster from a comic book. And she was not able to defeat it. And she learned that the only thing that could is to actually follow the plot of the comic book that this um, creature came from. Um, and they referenced this 
uh, battle had happened in the Night Vale special number one. And in the comic book, <clears throat> the creature was defeated by um, a, a super human uh, woman named Thunderfox. So um, she, in order to uh, combat and defeat this creature um, with the magic ability that she has, she literally created Thunderfox in their universe as a real person. Um, Thunderfox then destroyed the menace, but now she's a flesh and blood, blood human being with a memory personality and, and so on. So um, Night Bell goes on to say that with adjusters, she could have reduced her back to a comic book character, but she chose to let her live. And she wants to know from the rest of her heroes if she did the right thing in creating life. <clears throat> a bunch of the other ones, uh, other heroes, uh, make a point to say that, um, you know, I'm actually a clone of a man that lived, you know, several years uh, prior. And, you know, I would be dead if this clone was not created. And uh, similar to a lot of superheroes, some of the other ones are like, yeah, and I've died, you know, three times and I keep coming back to life or whatever. So, um, so you know, they they pretty much on board. Um, and Nightfield says, you know, all of that's true, but you know, I've I've bestowed life before, and uh, she references to some somebody that she brought to life, and then that person ended up um, destroying somebody called Miss Victory. Again, I'm not as familiar with what had happened before, but it seems like a lot has happened in the previous 16 issues. Um, so anyhow, um, what they decide to do is, like, well, let's observe what Thunderfox is doing right now. Is that possible? They said, and, and Nightfall says, absolutely. And so now uh, she brings up kind of a scene where almost like scrying, they can uh, peek in to see what, what Thunderfox is, is doing um, with her life, and it seems like she is um, with a comic book um, penciler, and he's the penciler of the Thunderbox, uh, Thunderfox um, comic book, and uh, they live they live together, and uh, she is um, she's anxious to kind of have a. She says that you know I, I don't have another. Um, identity. I'm just th Thunder Fox. It'd be nice to, you know, have kind of a kind of a real life. And um, so they're back at his apartment, and he's drawing on his drawing board, and um, he, he indicates like how long he's been been working and stuff, and that he does also does um, things for ad agencies to make money. And uh, but his passion is is comic books. So. Uh, the writer of the comic book uh, shows up and rings the bell and kind of hides Thunderfox because apparently it's a secret that she's a real-life person at this point. And, uh, you know, he chats with his writer for a while and like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this stuff looks great. Um, here's some more uh, story. And he's like, okay, thanks. And uh, it, he leaves and uh, Thunderfox comes back out. And um, you can tell that they're in a romantic relationship as well. Um, so she's like, you know what? I can draw, I can draw too. And, and maybe I can help you. And, uh, cause he's, he's been given a, a lot of script. 
and uh, he's like, you know, it, it takes years to. It took me years to learn the basic of basics of drawing. You know, you can't just do it. She's like, no, no, I, I can, I could draw. So, she draws a pinup of a of a character, and it looks absolutely uh, fantastic. And he's like, wow. He's like, you know, try some of these pages. Here's the plot. And and so she she sits down next to him at the drawing board, and they share in the drawing board. And um, in the meantime, he gets a phone call from the ad agency she's he's used before. And his, um, the editor there is actually his ex. And, um, you know, he's, she, she gives, she's like, maybe he's like, we actually had a, one of the guys quit. Maybe we can hire you on full time. And he says, you know, I've got a lot of the Thunder Fox to draw by Monday. And she's like, what are you crazy? You know, I'm giving you a full time job. Like, you're not going to do this. And he's like, sorry, but and she's like, all right, well, I'm going to try holding the job for a few days for you, but, um, you know, you're going to have to let me know. He hangs up the phone, and in the time that he was speaking to her, um, Thunderbox turns and says, okay, I'm all done. I could have done more, but I ran out of plotted pages. So, like, there's a stack of, of papers that, like, that she literally drew all these panels, and, and they look absolutely incredible. And so he says to her, like, you know, if you still want a secret identity, I think we found your career. <clears throat> so how about a name? And so uh, she she likes Marilyn, and, and uh, so now she's going to be Marilyn. Um, but we're in, and he says, but you can't go walking around in a costume, finds her a big old t-shirt to wear and, um, finds, uh, some sweat shorts that she can fit into from him and let's, you know, let's go shopping. So that's, that's what they do. They go shopping. She buys a whole stack of clothes. Um, and it looks like her life is, is really on target. And, uh, she decides that she needs to, uh, stretch her legs, so to speak, in terms of getting out of the apartment, she goes flying off, and uh, she flies to the um, to the Jersey Shore, and uh, there's the guy in a crane, a uh, constru- uh, construction crane, and he's stuck and it's tipped over, and uh, they're trying to get him out. These, his coworkers are trying to get him out, and all of a sudden they see, oh my God, there's the suburbs gas line. Um, has ignited. We got to get out, and, and the guy's trapped. So you save yourself, save yourself. And Thunderfox comes flying down and um, rips the door open and manages to grab him just before it explodes. Um, and then she goes um, flying back to the apartment and um, tells him about the adventure. The writer shows back up unannounced and sees Thunderfox and like, what is going on? And they convince him that she's just a model. Um, it's actually uh, that's his girlfriend, Marilyn, and, and and she she models, and that's why his work has improved so much. And so uh, he says, "Oh, and she can draw too," and shows all the all the fin- finished artwork. And I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. So um, yeah, let's uh, you know let me get this back to the com- um, the comic company, and we'll see if we can get some more of the script ready for you. And so, and that pretty much it. Then, then they plan to go to the beach. It pretty much ends the scrying. And um, uh, Captain Paragon says to Nightvale, "Is like, well, it seems like you've got nothing to fear from Thunderfox. You did a great, great job." And they're like, "Yeah, she's awesome. We should, um, we should have her join Femme Force." And the um, the landlord of the property that they apparently stay on, the entire island, as a matter of fact says, nope, there's not going to be any more on my property. You've caused enough damage over and over again. Apparently, his daughter is one of the members of 
I'll send force. And, and he says, you know what? I don't care. I want you off this island now. So they said, okay, we're going to have to figure this out. And um, and they're like, oh, it looks like not only do we are we looking for a few more members, but we also need to find a new headquarters. And that's the end of this issue. I have to say it was way more enjoyable than I expected it to be. I, I really didn't have much hopes for this one, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I liked a lot of the um, liked a lot of the ads too, because apparently, you know, in 89, you know, some, this AC must've been doing okay. Cause they were um, announcing a lot of different <clears throat> a series. There's one called the blue bulleteer that they were um, looks like they were um, launching had a he's a male character but looks like um, somebody that it's not phantom lady it's somebody exactly looking like phantom lady was on the cover of that one as well um as as you keep going there's more ads there's uh she cat who's a member of uh femme force uh she's getting her own own title as well coming um and then as you get further in i want to find the rest of these here um there's some cool um, ads. It looks like AC was also <laughs> distributing um, the old cliffhanger serials from I don't even know when, maybe the 30s and 40s um, on VHS. And uh, they're s selling these for $30, $30 um, for for two cassettes of, uh, of these serials, the Masked Marvel, the Purple Monster Strikes, Spy Spasher, Radar Men from the Moon, Daredevils of the Red Circle, uh, the Fighting Devil Dogs. It's just like looks like so like of it, you know, back of that time. It looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's another ad for another one called Cave Girl and Jungle Girls. So I know Mike would be all over those, probably <laughs> own some of those already. Um, and then in the back in the last um, inside page is a ad for the sixth annual Roy Rogers Festival coming from May 31st to June 3rd in 1989 uh, to Portsmouth, um, Ohio. And uh, it looks like Lash LaRue, King of the Bull Whip, will be, will be there as well as some other um, other Western uh, stars. Wow. Yeah, so uh, make your plans to attend at the Ramada Sun. <laughs> <laughs> And that was that was Femforce, right? That was Femforce, yeah, number seventeen. Seventeen. I sort of when you said that, I sort of zoned out for a second. I'm not used to being uh, quote, unquote, <laughs> quote unquote in charge. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So it was. It, this was very, uh, very enjoyable. It was really good. Like obviously, I I don't know uh, pretty much any of those heroes, but it was. It was really well done. I mean, I I don't have any other issues from this time frame, but if I had, I would definitely um, I would definitely go back and, and grab them to read. I'm not to say I'm gonna go out and, and search for these to buy them, but um, but if I had, had had them in hand, I would definitely um, I would definitely read some more. Yeah, I, I, I'm mildly curious about that comic line at times when I've seen an issue here or there or whatever, yeah. but I mean yeah I mean it's definitely of its time you know late 80s and 90s like the you know obviously the women are all drawn a certain way you know and um 
more so. It looks like it was two different. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even mention that, and I apologize. Um, it it, it actually is two different writers. So the, what I quoted you was was everything before the peek into what Thunder Fox is doing. That whole section in the middle with Thunder Fox uh, as as the actual character is written by James Misson and Rick Levins was the um was the did the art um and that um was toned down a little bit in terms of the sexual nature um and then after the scrying is over it picks back up with with who is doing the you know the art and the writing um with the main the main ongoing story um and in the back too there is some um a write up of different things going on in AC which I haven't read yet um cuz I was short on time so I'm going to go back and read that before I bag and board the comic but um yeah it was really very very good I thought it was very good cool Mm-hmm. Um, you mind if I, if we wrap up with this? Uh, my not, next one? No, not not at all. You know, I'll just mention that I did continue with uh, Dazzler number two, and uh, of course she faces off against um, Enchantress at the club, um, but she has the help of all of those heroes that I mentioned before, plus the Fantastic Four, uh, at least half wow. of them. Uh, yeah. the merchant thing show up to root her on because she gets tired and they want to see her sing. All of the Avengers are there that I mentioned, plus the X-Men come to give her a hand. Um, the entire place, uh, a demon starts coming through that rift. Um, they manage to seal it before it happens and they defeat the Enchantress. Um, luckily, a music um, producer um, hid under the table during the whole thing and despite the terror, the terror that everyone faced, he uh, refers her to a uh, um to an agent and um that signs a new talent and sure enough um with all of the rest of the heroes insistence that they that the agent listen to her sing um because they all show up at his window um she she sings and and she uh gets signed onto um onto the label so that's that's number 2 cool yeah so go ahead all right um yeah, so my other one was Thor uh, 129. Um, it's called The Verdict of Zeus. Um, Stan and Jack. Um, and uh, it starts out with a pretty amusing um, scenario where um, Thor is just out on the streets of New York City. Um, and, um, you know, they, the common man... Um, at this time is pretty aware of what is going on with the different superheroes. So they know, like, um, people have been talking about him recently um, having a tussle with Hercules um, and all that. So um, they're asking him about that and um, why one guy says, why'd you let him get away? And um, Thor says, well, he, he I fear it cannot be said that true Hercules has truly gotten away, but you know he doesn't uh, go into details. He thinks it's best not to tell him that um, Hercules was tricked by Pluto into being into replacing him as the custodian of the Netherworld. Um, so yeah, it, it gets to the point where he's kind of being harassed. I don't know why he doesn't just take off with his hammer. He keeps walking down the street and even um gets into a cab <laughs> why he you know like 
why why he had to do that and just he's got his he's got Mjolnir on his hip, so I don't know why he because <laughs> Stan wanted to put him in a cab, that's why. I um, I think so, yeah. And um so the the cabbie has kind of a philosophical discussion with Thor. Um you know, and um Thor's all right in, in the cabbie's book. Um and they shake hands um, after he drops Thor off. Um, and uh, and um, the uh, the doorman of the tower that he's dropped off at is like is pretty surprised to see Thor, of course. And um, and um, yeah, it's a it's an amusing. Um, little beginning there hmm. um but uh the reason thor's there is to see jane foster um but first um we head to olympus um where pluto uh makes an appearance um and kind of interrupts the other gods having having fun um <clears throat> and zeus is uh immediately upset because Pluto's not supposed to leave um, the netherworld. But he says, yeah, I'm not supposed to unless I find somebody to replace me. And I have. And Zeus says, well, that's that is the rule um, Hmm. basically, but um, I'm sure you tricked them. What's their name? And he says, it's your it's your son. (laughs) It's uh, Hercules. Um, so his name having been mentioned, we, we see Hercules, um, in his current predicament. Um, he's fighting with some big yellow guy, um, for a couple pages. And then, um, he tries to, um, enter, um, he tries to go see his father and, um, he's, he's barred, um, by um you know this this flashing light um and the Zeus's voice tells him you know um you you got to stay where you're you got to stay in the, in the netherworld um because you know you have to honor even though you were tricked you have to there's nothing more important than honor and you have to honor the agreement that you made, even if you were deceived. And so he, you know, Hercules begs. Um, and, um, so Zeus says, well, if, you know, pride's been your downfall, so you need to learn humility. So you need to find somebody who's selfless enough to fight on your behalf. So that's the predicament that he's in, and um, back to Thor, he he's going to see um, Jane Foster, and Jane's got a new roommate um, named Tana Nile, um, who, um, you know, she just answered a ad for a roommate, I guess. Um, but Thor, he there's just something about Tana where he feels like he needs to to kneel to her and um, give her like a blessing kind of. And Jane's like, you too. Hmm. And, um, you know, 
Tana leaves and they discuss the fact that Jane doesn't really know anything about her. Um, but, you know, it's not just Thor. It's something about her. Everyone just kind of treats her like she's a queen or something. But then they, you know, they go on to discuss the fact that Thor wants, he's willing to become Don Blake for the rest of his life so that he can be with Jane. Um, you know, and that's his plan. He's going to talk to um, Odin about it. Um, but we see Tana is listening to them, and she's thinking to herself that Thor can't ever return to Earth, or that it will spoil her plans. So that's kind of it's kind of neat to see. Like they're they're starting to get more in the habit of laying. Because uh, we don't really get anything more about Tana in this issue, and it's cool to see them starting to get into the habit of, um, you know, laying the, the um, those subplots in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing more of that um, is cool. Um, but uh, so um, Thor runs into Balder, uh, the Rainbow Bridge, um, and um, and he's uh thor's but he's been ordered to take thor to odin right away um and thor's been so concerned about jane and that stuff that he's totally forgotten that it's the day of the three worlds um it's a day predicted in the book of enchanters um a day of momentous decision for thor um but um so whatever Thor wants needs to wait. Um, and, um, so Thor, um, gets sent to limbo. Um, and, um, meanwhile, Hercules is trying to find a champion. Um, you can kind of see at this point where it's, where it's going. Um, he, he struggles to find a champion, someone to, um, fight for him, um, and the Thor from Limbo, um, is pulled into a vortex and finds himself in Olympus, um, and, um, you know, at the, um, end of the issue, Thor, um, of course, volunteers to fight for Hercules, um, which is kind of neat, um, since they were just fighting each other, you know, but, um, yeah switch that up but it, it was it was decent um they're still doing the backups um and thor um also by stan jack and um it's the it's called the hordes of harrowkin uh it starts out with loki being um banished to eternal sleep um by odin because it's known um it's prophesized that he will be uh one day responsible for ragnarok um and and thor um once again is is you know appealing to his father over the fact that yes you know that's what's prophesized but um he is my brother and your son um odin's you know it's like i gotta make the hard decisions buddy um basically (laughs) um and he just Thor gets pretty quickly distracted because he tells um, him to get Hogan, Volstagg, and Fandral. So Thor's like, oh, there's 
you're going to get a mission. Um, so they're sent to Muspelheim. Um, there's something called the Warlock Eye. Um, then they need to fetch because they need to like keep weapons like that in out of the wrong hands to um, you know stop to delay Ragnarok. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but there's um, there's already problems in Muspelheim um, because um, this guy named Harokin um, has already seized the Warlock Eye, and it's like it's this crazy helmet, um, this really big helmet um, with a with a big eye in it. Um, and there's a splash page of him, you know, riding this, riding a horse with all like, this horde of men behind him approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically the issue just ends with them attacking this castle, um, which it sounds like it's like the last castle standing in this realm. Um, and him using the warlock eye to, to take out a whole bunch of dudes and, and then we just see um, the last panel is just um, Thor and the other guys on their horses approaching, um, setting up them to have a conflict next issue. I got you know, so mm-hmm. just the backup, a couple pages there. That's all she wrote. Very cool. So, and that's all for uh, whatever uh, whatever uh, episode of. Geek Brunch Retrocast, this is. <laughs> we, we did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike is um, recording the other Geek Brunch today. Yes. Um, so, uh, and Joseph has his book club today. Joe has uh, other engagements as well. So, yeah, so um, that will do it for us this time. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Twitter. Um, I don't know. No one ever, I mean, I don't ever get any tweets related to the show on Twitter, but, um, <laughs> it's Rob Krieger. Um, I'm myth making, et cetera. Um, I'm not even really looking at Twitter right now. Um, kind of. Oh, you're, you're missing out. You, did you, I don't know if you saw, but Jesus Christ was verified just recently. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to so, know. I mean, if there's one person you probably should follow. Probably Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's such a shit show right now. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Mike is Mike Myers Brunch, um, and Joe is Iowa's Joe. Yeah. Um, so if you want to venture into that hellhole. Um, <laughs> I, I'm guess. not noticing much just because of yeah. who I follow, you know. Right. I, I did mute some keywords. Mm, so mm-hmm. it keeps me from seeing some, probably some other crap. That's but, um, but yeah, it's you know, I mean, what you know, what can you? I, I'm I'm there to try to keep in contact with my comic book buddies, um, as well as some some artists. You know, I mean, you tend to just. Uh, you, you, you hear stuff anyhow, because most people feel very much the same as I do in a lot of aspects, politically speaking, I guess. And I like to share stuff, even if they just happen to be a comic book artist. 
Yeah. Um, but that's why I have a lot of uh, keywords just muted because I don't necessarily need to get into all of that. But yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, not to say I, you know, I definitely don't blame you. It, I'm doing the best I can to just avoid a lot of that from just appearing in my feed. It's not a hundred percent successful, but you know. Yeah, I mean, from the outside, it is kind of fascinating uh, as a news news item. Uh, I'm curious to see what'll happen, you know, as time goes on. But. It's just, uh, it's ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, regardless, I mean, Chris, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad me and yes. you were able to do this today. Um, good talking to you. Yeah, ab- absolutely. A lot of fun. I was I enjoyed our conversation before we started covering things as well. So that, I'm glad you were able to um, to get on today and you're able to get a get an episode out there. Yeah, me too. So um, yeah, take care. Yes. Till the next time I talk to you. And- Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day and uh, yeah, you hopefully too. you have a good week. Yeah, have uh, fun with your D and D campaign. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get started back up soon, but uh, I'm glad the kids are enjoying it. But yeah, um yeah, have, awesome. have, yeah, have a great week. All right, you too. Talk to you later. Thanks, Chris. Bye.